0: And I I remember resisting myself because uh, last year when I was trying to break a lot of these patterns, I would go into this mode of like, I don't want to do anything like this. This is just too much work. I just don't want to put in the work anymore. Like, I don't want to do any of this anymore. Why should I have to do this? And so all of these things started coming up for me. And, you know, I felt like I was hitting a wall. Hello and welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi and to Abiel. How's it going?
1: It's going, brother. I've uh, been been indulging in some really awesome information these past uh, few days and week. I'm been very excited about the new research and this book and Claudio and Aranjo and the Enneagram, other topics that we will be addressing in the near future. But yeah, man really awesome stuff that I've been uh, uncovering and can't wait to share with everybody out there. You're already giving them a teaser for next week. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I'm stoked about this material.
0: Yeah. If you guys don't know anything about Enneagram, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram and the creator of the Enneagram which uh, Abiel uncovered and we're going to review one of his books. So that's going to be really exciting, but that's coming next week. This week or in this podcast today, we're talking about this book called the mountain is you transforming self sabotage into self mastery. It's by Brianna Wiest And this was an incredible book. It like spoke to me or I could relate with everything that she was saying. You know, all these things about self-sabotaging patterns, I know I have struggled with throughout my life and I have tried to bring them to light and I have worked on them i've worked on my triggers i've tried to understand why i do the things that i do why do i fail myself or why do i end up sabotaging my relationships my career myself my life the people in my life and everything that she was saying i was like oh my god yes i did that i did that i've done that i've been there thankfully a lot of the things a lot of the patterns are in my past um I can't say all of them because, you know, nobody's perfect. I know I'm not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and I'm really excited to talk about this book. I wish we could have even had time to like find or connect with the author and interview her maybe in a future podcast because I absolutely loved this book.
1: I agree. I think reading the book felt like a like a really warm, nice blanket on a cold day. Throughout the book, I found myself resonating with a lot of the things that she was talking about. The book felt seasoned. It felt like it was sharing more than information. I felt like it was sharing her wisdom and her experiences. And we were both discussing on how young she is, but yet through her writings, this inner wisdom comes through her words. And to me, whenever I find a book like that, it's one of those books that, doesn't feel right reading it from cover to cover. It feels more like a companion, something that I want to have in my nightstand because of all these amazing little lessons that she is talking about throughout the day. I feel like this is more like a little reference book that I like to keep around to like to read once in a while, to, to have near me in times of difficulty because of all the, the little of of love through words that she's sharing with us.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely. I know that this is not the only time I'm going to be reading this book. I'll probably be going back to it over and over again, just to reference some of the passages or just to reference some of uh, the tidbits that she has or insights that she has, uh, preferably. Um, so I want to dive into some of the things that jumped at me, um, One of the things that she talked about, which this uh, author called Gay Hendricks talks about, which is called the upper limit. Uh, She said that your upper limit is essentially the amount of good that you're comfortable with having in your life. It is your tolerance and threshold for having positive feelings or positive uh, events in your life. And I can relate to this so strongly. I remember in my 20s, I was in this relationship and everything was going good in my life. Like my career was fine. I was in a really good relationship with this uh, girl and there were no issues. Like everything was going fine. And I, I was uncomfortable with that. I was so uncomfortable with that. I was like, how can everything be good? Like I need to do something to mess this up. Like I didn't consciously think that, but I just kept thinking that I will end up doing something to mess this up. Which I did eventually. And, you know, I I ended the relationship and it was a good relationship. It was, and she was perfectly great and we were great together. I screwed it up. (laughs) (laughs) Cause, and I can relate to that. I guess I had reached my upper limit where I didn't understand like this is, this is a jumping off point to the next level. This is not where you get complacent or this is not a plateau. Like, yes, you've clawed your way to this level. Now, how can you form a new foundation at this height so that you can take it to the next level? I didn't understand that. And nobody ever explained that to me.
1: It's so true. I think that resonates with me. I think we've been, we've all been in a relationship where it was too safe, it was too good. And the itch was so real that, Found myself looking elsewhere and being like, I'm too young for this. I, I can't be experiencing such a good relationship. And then I, I remember I was so naive. I I asked God to uh to bring more troubles to my life because it was so good. And that's the last time I'll ever do that, by the way. <laughs> I, I trust his journey and his path and the, his the path that he has for me there's no reason for me to ask for things to get a little bumpy because they like to do that all on their own. (laughs) Oh yeah. You don't have to ask for trouble because if 2020
0: is any evidence, trouble will find you no matter what. So yeah, don't, don't ask for it. That's for sure. You know, and then she goes on to talk about how do you overcome self-sabotage, right? Like, like the act of no longer self-sabotaging overcoming the self-sabotage is not just a matter of understanding why you're holding yourself back it is being able to take action in the direction that you want and need to even if it is initially uncomfortable or triggering I am a true testament to that because it's like when you identify those behaviors it's not that you're just going to get rid of it or you're not just going to stop, stop self-sabotaging yourself. You know, there's definitely like repressed emotions that are going to come up and you're going to like unravel all these like emotional holding patterns. And she talks about like the most common emotions that will arise while you're breaking these behaviors is the, the, the feeling of resistance, Like you're going to be resisting yourself and you're going to sometimes even feel like stuck in your body and I I remember resisting myself because uh, last year when I was trying to break a lot of these patterns I would go into this mode of like I don't want to do anything like this this is just too much work I just don't want to put in the work anymore like I don't want to do any of this anymore why should I have to do this and so all of these things started coming up for me and, you know, I felt like I was hitting a wall. But the thing is that if you start going past the resistance, then you're actually able to toughen yourself up, you know, instead of like, and she's, she mentioned this in the book also. It's like, uh, start asking the right questions So instead of why do I feel this way? What is the feeling trying to tell me about the action I'm trying to take? Is there something I need to learn from here? What do I need to do to honor my needs right now? I mean, all such important and valid questions so that you don't just beat yourself up over the fact that, oh, I'm feeling stuck. Oh, I'm feeling resistant. Oh, I'm feeling... You know, like, this is not going to go anywhere. I don't want to put in this work. It's like introspect, like that self-introspection and going digging deeper into why you're feeling the way you're feeling and why is the resistance coming up. Just peeking beneath that and going several layers underneath
1: it. I felt that was very valid. I, I really like that. And, and it makes me think of whenever that resistance is there, um, it's not a matter of fighting it. It's not a matter of get, trying to get rid of that resistance. The resistance is almost like a flag pointing out at your limits. And it's, it's a matter of you recognizing that resistance and being here and now present to allow those feelings to subside by being with them. And I, I love because her, her, once again, her wisdom touches on these points opens up the Pandora's box and tells you to be still and look at look at the dragon in the eye and knowing that he's not going to attack you. He's there to signal that you are in the midst of uh, of reaching this amazing treasure, which is your true potential. So the segue to that is the, uh, the modern wisdom is recognizing as well that you are your own oracle. I feel like her allowing you to divulge into deeper wisdoms of yourself, for instance um, we 're talking about we 've been talking in the past about the three brains, which is your limbic, your reptilian, and your um, neocortex and these three brains put together give you this tremendous perspective. A great analogy that i I, I heard somewhere is the fact that the same way that we were created with a right and left eye, in order for us to capture depth. We, all, we also have been created with the left and right side of the brain. And in contrast, the right side of the brain is intuitive, it's non-logical, it's artistic, it's creative. And the left side of the brain is logical and intuitive. But put together, you start gaining that perspective and that wisdom that comes from deep within us. So her calling us out to search within was a call to arms in my opinion, and it really motivates me to be more in touch with my meditative practice. Going back
0: to what you said about you are your own oracle, I think a lot of times we also feel like, you know, because she talks about this book called The Molecule of More, and you you always have this like driven passion to want more and to create more and to have more. And we feel like once we achieve that more, we're going to be done. Like we're going to be coasting, like laugh's going to be good. You know, I get the the house, the car, the kids, the wife, the the the, the partner, the ideal partner or whatever. But the thing is that, in in the book molecule of more where he studies uh, the chemical dopamine he's talking about that it's dopamine is the 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 chemical that drives you you know drives you towards that desire but it's it does not get satiated once you have that desire it always wants the more it always wants the next thing or the bigger thing or the thing that's unattainable and i found that very fascinating because I know I have always been, it's not that I've struggled with, but it's, it's something that I always wrestle with. Like, when is it enough? Like, at what point are we content in our life with whatever we have? And at what point is more just more? <laughs> you know, it's like, is, is that even necessary anymore? Or... Is that actually a passionate, driven desire where you feel that you can contribute to to society as large? And in that same vein, she talks about instead of living purpose, living a life of purpose, living a life to figure out what legacy you are leaving behind. And I thought that was so valuable because it just like reframes your perspective. That's a huge shift in perspective because purpose is very fleeting, which means that if you have purpose, then you need motivation. But if you're talking about leaving legacy, now you're talking about like, hey, if I'm at my deathbed and I look back, what did I leave behind? What impact did I create? What, how did I serve people? How did I serve society? How am I going to be remembered? Um, and those are all the things that not everyone thinks about and not everyone wants to leave a legacy, but it does not even have to be like something that's like monumental, right? I mean, your legacy could be that you left behind the most delicious damn recipe to your children. That could be a legacy. <laughs>
1: Also, our actions um, vibrate through all of eternity by the people and the places and the things that we touch as well, so you know working on our our ego, working on our character and being a, a pillar for somebody could leave a legacy in that person that then gets transferred for the people that they get to meet and be with so I, I, I do I, I, it motivates the hell out of me hearing leaving a legacy because like she mentions if your whole your whole being is about your job and you lose your job it's like what are you going to do then or if your whole legacy is your children and they grow up and they leave the house what do you have left when that happens so the legacy gets us get got me thinking more broad like more of hey let me figure out who I am and what are my gifts so that I can leave my legacy behind with with an inner knowledge of of what I'm really good at. What is it that really makes me tune in to turn on in this life? Yeah. Um, Actually
0: steering the conversation back to some of the things that she's talking about regarding thought patterns and thinking She talked about one of these things, which I have never heard it framed this way. I think in psychology, they call it ruminating. But she talked about something called psychic thinking. And uh,
1: Ding, 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 ding. I love that,
0: by the way. (laughs) Yeah, and this is not like we're talking about psychics that look into a crystal ball. Uh, She said that it is assuming that the least likely outcome is the most viable outcome. Because you feel it most strongly. So, for example, the other day when, uh, I don't know, something happened at work and, uh, you know, I mean, I think someone in my t- team dropped the ball and I felt responsible for it. And I just thought that the whole project was going to fail because, you know, they dropped the ball and the client was going to drop the the project and this is all my fault and because that outcome seemed like the most strong you know it's like it's the worst outcome that I can possibly imagine a client leaving because you know something happened that never happens you know it's like we're all reasonable people like the client is also a person and they understand that okay these are the circumstances let's move past it let's mitigate this and let's figure something out But of course my mind went directly there and because I'm managing these people, it's like, Oh my God, it's the responsibilities on my shoulders and this is going to happen. And I kept thinking that over and over again. And like in each scenario, it became even worse. Like ultimately me being fired in the whole thing, you know? And I'm like, I had to stop. I had to just stop, take a deep breath and go for a walk because I could not stop. Like the mind just kept churning and thinking about the worst possible outcomes. And this is not good for anyone. And I feel like if anyone gets into these like ruminating negative thought patterns, the first thing is like negative thoughts have some message associated to it, right? Like it's trying to tell you something. So introspect, figure out what it's trying to tell you. It's like, Oh, You know, in my case, it was trying to tell me like, well, I'm responsible for this and, or I rather, I feel responsible for this. And how can I mitigate a situation like this from happening ever again in the future? Or what are the steps that I can take to mitigate such a situation? And I should have left it at that and moved on or maybe document something. But no, I went into like self-deprecation and... You know, uh, pointing blame at myself and self-judgment and all of that stuff, which just led to worst possible outcomes. So I was like, see the message, listen to it, pay heed to it, maybe journal it, document it. And then if you're really having a hard time, you can't let go of it. Get out of the environment, because for me, that always helps. Like once I get out of the four walls and I put on a podcast or music and I just walk, not even running. and just like walking around the neighborhood, you know, that always helps me get out of my mind or this like negative thinking loop.
1: It is said that as hunters and gatherers, uh, when we would be walking through the fields to, you know, go for a hunt or go um, to harvest um, that movement, that kinesthetic movement, would allow the mind to unravel. So it's 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 fun to to watch and to hear you talk about going for a walk and how it helps your brain. Because a lot of people that are kinesthetic out there that might need to have a difficult conversation with a loved one, think about going for a walk and having that conversation. A lot of the times that will lead to outcomes that you were not expecting. But with this whole psychic thinking, one of the things that I really enjoyed was, you're not that important. People are not really thinking about you because they are thinking about themselves. for, As a matter of fact, if you're out there, think about when was the last time somebody other than you was really embarrassed. It's almost impossible for you to recollect when somebody else you know was embarrassed about a situation, unless it happened extremely recent. But we have a collection of things that made us embarrassed that probably go back to our childhood that we keep with us. And it's, it's refreshing to know that people forget your embarrassing moments. People forget the mistakes that you have made because they are too busy keeping their own list. So don't give it too much mind. It, as a matter of fact, be be kind to yourself and take it easy when you are assuming what other people are thinking because they're in they're wrapped up in their own head the same way you are wrapped up in yours
0: oh absolutely
1: absolutely i can
0: keep thinking about all the embarrassing moments and you know i think a lot of people think that everyone remembers the other person's embarrassing moments and you know, I'm sure I've done something embarrassing in front of you. And if I go out to you and ask you like, hey, Abiel, do you remember that? And you'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. No clue. <laughs> and it could have <laughs> been like a few days ago. And you'll be like, I have no idea what you're saying. Nope.
1: <laughs> um,
0: one of the last things that I want to just touch upon is about validating someone's feelings.
1: Oh yeah, that's really good one.
0: Yeah, I love that one because this is something that my therapist taught me and I use this a lot with, um, you know, when, with, with a friend of mine that he he was having some issues with his girlfriend. He used to keep calling and talking to me. He's like, oh, I feel this way and that way. And I was like, what you're feeling is valid. That's the very first thing I would tell him. It's like, I'm not going to invalidate your feelings just To make an excuse for her actions which you're feeling is absolutely valid now that does not mean that they are correct and it doesn't mean that those feelings are the healthiest feelings and it doesn't mean that they're informed by logic just validating those feelings means that I am just trying to make that person feel that they're human and they have feelings and And I see them. I see what they're going through. I see their suffering, especially in a relationship. Validating each other's feelings are such a vital, important part of, you know, having that cohesion in the relationship. Because the minute you invalidate the other person's feeling. They're assuming the worst. They think that they're stupid, that they're, uh, you know, they've done something wrong or it starts triggering their past traumas. It's like, no, I see you. I see that you're suffering. I see that you're going through something. may, may not necessarily be that what you're going through is right or justified or any of, of those things, but I see you.
1: That's huge, especially people understanding that you, you are understanding that you also have gone through those feelings and, and those feelings are real. And to that person, for you, it might be insignificant, the fact that they're freaking out over something. What I could think about is like kids going off into college and freaking out that this is like the biggest thing in their life. And you saying, oh, don't worry about it. That's nothing if anything it closes them up because you're not acknowledging how they are and what they're experiencing and one of the biggest takes that i got from her was just because you validate somebody's feeling it doesn't say it doesn't mean that those feelings are correct it just means that you are acknowledging them and those are some of the basic basic steps for nonviolent communication in order for you to open up and allow others to open and meet in a place of love and compassion and understanding. It is so often that we lead through our logic when we're dealing with things that are beyond logic, that are highly emotional or intuitive. And if we decide to take a stance and be more silent and still, we will surely understand that our heart speaks to us that our, our intuition are, are right most of the time and that our logic could only go so far. And validating feelings is that, is that olive branch saying, hey, I know this, this is not from the intellect. I know this, this is from the heart. And I, I want you to know that my heart is open and receptive for you to open up your heart and, and we could both meet and I could be there for you. Open up your heart and let the music play, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, overall, this was an amazing book. I loved it. I definitely want to read it over and over again for some of the concepts to sink in. Um, Of course, we didn't touch on the whole book because it's impossible. I really urge you to pick it up. You You can get the physical copy, digital, audible, whatever, uh, read it. It has some really good insights and you're going to take away a lot from the book. Uh, once again, it's the mountain is you transforming self-sabotage into self mastery by Brianna Weist.
1: Definitely get a physical copy. I recommend one bite your nightstand. It's one of those that you love to have um, in your library, your physical library. I feel like it's one of those books that you could give to a, a loved one or a friend or somebody that's going through a hard time because the book itself is full, full, full of little nuggets of wisdom and love.
0: Yeah. And as usual, rate, review, subscribe, share this love. You know, we're doing this out of love. So share it with as many people as you can and uh, write to us if you like this book or you have, if you've read it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Or if there's any other books or articles or people you want us to interview, please write to us and let us know. So, yeah,
1: that's it for us. This is the Emotional Compass. Until next time.